I will bless the Lord at all times. God's praise shall ever be in my mouth. Amen. Amen. The story of Joseph is one of the most wonderful stories in all of the Old Testament. This week and last week, we get just short parts of the reading, so let me fill in some missing pieces. Joseph is the prophetic dreamer of the Old Testament. He is the favored youngest son of Jacob, the one whose father made a beautiful ornamented coat for him. And he has older brothers who hate him because their father loved him best. And Joseph wasn't shy about letting that be known. And he had dreams that he was frequently telling his brothers. He said, listen to this dream I had while we were binding stalks of grain in the field. My stalk stood upright and yours all gathered round and bowed down to it. And again, Joseph dreamed, this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. The brothers became angry and decided they were going to get rid of him. They would sell him into slavery in Egypt and punish him for his pride. But the Lord was with Joseph, and through a series of events, Joseph ends up in service in the Pharaoh's house, and Pharaoh is indebted to Joseph for interpreting his dreams, in which he is told there will be seven years of abundance followed by seven years of famine. Pharaoh names Joseph, God speaks, he lives, and places him second in command of all of the country. Joseph goes from being a slave in a dungeon prison to one who gives life for all of Egypt and ultimately the world as the famine spreads. Joseph's brothers have traveled to Egypt in search of food, and that's why we have this reunion today. It's a reunion without any bitterness or hatred, despite what the brothers may have expected once they knew who they were dealing with. Joseph's brothers have mistreated him, lied to their father, whom Joseph loved, but instead of scolding his brothers and turning them away to starve, Joseph weeps tears of joy at the reunion. His weeping is so loud that the Egyptians that he has dismissed from the room can hear him. Joseph has a really good life in Egypt. He has a wife and two children. He has wealth and security. He has respect and power. But none of that compares to being a son and a brother. None of it compares to relationship. None of it compares to the relationship. Joseph embraces his brothers and then quickly sends them home to return with their father and their wives and their children and all their belongings so that he can have them settle in the land where Joseph can take care of them. Word of Joseph's weeping reaches Pharaoh, whose response is to tell the brothers, don't even bother returning with any material goods because the best of Egypt will be waiting for you. Just bring what matters. Bring the people, their father, their wives, and their children. Bring what matters. Bring the people. 
It's all about relationship. Relationship is at the heart of Jesus' legal argument with the Pharisees as well. The Pharisees were a Jewish religious sect who believed that a faithful person followed all the laws. And Jesus is not arguing that laws don't matter. Rather, he's arguing that evil intentions, which come from our heart, are what defile and distance us from God more than what we eat or how we eat. It's from the heart that people must change. Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees who are only trying to follow God's law as they see it. And they argue that food, like many other areas of life, must be tightly controlled. And Jesus counters this remark with great sense. He says, it's what goes, not what goes in the body that corrupts. Whatever we eat, and however we eat it, it ultimately ends up in the sewer. But our words come from our hearts. And it's our hearts that corrupt us, and our words that flow from that corruptness into the world. What becomes of our words in the world depends on the state of the heart that created them. So what would our world look like if we spend as much time cultivating our hearts as we do worrying about how and what we eat. Tend to our hearts and our words will follow. Words inspire us. They can call people to seek justice and reconciliation in the world, or they can incite fear and rage and hatred. Fifty-two years ago today, a young seminarian named Jonathan Daniels laid down his life for his friend. Daniels allowed the words of Isaiah and the Magnificat and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to permeate his his heart as he reflected on the violence unleashed on peaceful protesters on March 7, 1965 at the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. And he heeded the call to stand with the poor, the oppressed, and the persecuted. Daniels watched the protest on national TV. Peaceful marchers walking on the Edmund Pettus Bridge as they approached the summit of bridge, the bridge were met by a line of Alabama state troopers who advanced on the protesters before they could kneel and begin praying. Someone's words inspired those troopers to get up that Sunday morning and go to that bridge. Someone's words justified in those men's hearts that it was right to beat and gas other humans as they marched for rights everyone else already had. As Daniels responded to the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., they responded to the words of a white supremacist, a member of the KKK, and a local sheriff deputy. Each made choices, and each decided whose words they would follow. After watching the news, Daniels went to evening prayer that Sunday night, and as he prayed the Magnificat with the congregation, 
the word spoke to him. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He has showed the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seat and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. Daniel's heard the call, and like the prophet Isaiah, Daniel said to the Lord, Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Daniels became part of the community of Fort Deposit, Alabama. He didn't want to be one of the white northern clergy who came for a day or a week. He wanted to make a long-term difference, so he stayed. Alabama in 1965 was tense with racial hatred. Black men and women were gunned down, and no one was holding the murderers accountable. On the afternoon of August 20th, Daniels was walking into a grocery store with a racially mixed group of fellow activist friends. They were met at the door by Sheriff Deputy Tom Coleman, who told the group to leave the the property as he reached for his rifle. Daniels' friend Ruby Sales was the first in the line of the group, and Daniels pulled her back and took her place as Coleman fired. Daniels died there at the grocery store parking lot, shot by a white supremacist sheriff deputy. Someone's words led Deputy Coleman to believe that what he did was right. And someone's words influenced the jury who acquitted Coleman. The stories of the march to Montgomery and the civil rights battles in Alabama and across the nation in the 50s and 60s, and Jonathan Daniels can seem so far away. It's tempting to want to look around and say, wow, those people really didn't get that we're all made in the image of God and are beloved of God and should be treated as precious. And then there's Charleston, and there's Charlottesville, And there's Ferguson and Baltimore and North Charleston. There's Sanford and Falcon Heights. And the list goes on and on. We are still bombarded by hateful words and hateful headlines and hateful acts that someone will use as inspiration. So we must tend our hearts. A friend frequently says to us when... Others go low, we go high. Daniels wrote that being in Alabama gave him the opportunity to love his enemies. When others say hate, we say love. When others say war, we say peace. We will tend our hearts and stand with Jesus. I pray that we all pray for forgiveness for ourselves, for our friends, for our enemies, so that we can all be one reconciled people. Forgiveness 
tending the hard and loving our enemies has always been hard. You know, years after Jacob, Joseph's father, died, Joseph's brothers worried that with the father dead, Joseph was now going to seek vengeance on them for the harm they caused him. It's a surprising scene that comes after all the generous gifts that Joseph and Pharaoh have allowed to family to prosper in Egypt. When the brothers asked Joseph to forgive them, all these years later, Joseph wept. What must he have been thinking? How did the brothers not understand after all this time that they mattered to Joseph more than the harm that they had inflicted on him? In fact, Joseph wouldn't even attribute what they did to them. He said, God has used you to bring about salvation for Egypt and all of the world from the famine. What allowed Joseph to cultivate such a forgiving heart? We can wonder at Joseph's forgiving heart, just as we can wonder about the hearts of the troopers on the Edmund Pettus Bridge or Jonathan Daniels. And we can listen to the words that inspire love and those that inspire hate. And we can decide to tend our hearts, and we can decide what words we will say and how we will influence the world. In our collect for Jonathan Daniels, we pray that following his example, we may make no peace with oppression. Rejoice in reunions and human relationships. They matter. Tend to our hearts, not just our plates. They matter. Because what comes out of the mouth defiles and breaks down relationships and makes reunions and relationships difficult because hurt stands between people. As I reflected on all this hurt and how we as humans continue to hurt each other and then repent and ask for forgiveness, I, asked, I was drawn to pray the Coventry Litany of Reconciliation. And I invite you to make the litany part of your prayer life and to pray it with me now. Responding, Holy One, forgive after each petition. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the hatred which divides nation from nation, class from class, race from race. Holy One, forgive. The covetous desires of people and nations to possess what is not their own. Holy One, forgive. The greed which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste the earth. Holy One, forgive. Our envy of the welfare and happiness of others. Holy One, forgive. Our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned, the homeless, the refugee. Holy One, forgive. The lust which dishonors the bodies of men, women, and children. Holy One the pride which leads us to trust in ourselves and not in God. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
as God in Christ forgave you. Amen.